0: Would you turn with me this evening to scriptures that we've been looking at for the past few weeks to Romans chapter 8, Romans 8. We're also going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 9. We began a series a few weeks ago called The Spiritual Man, The Spiritual Man. We're continuing that this evening. You know... Uh, you're not born uh, spiritually, you're not born again spiritually mature. You're born a baby, a spiritual infant, even if you're 60 years old when you got born again. Physically, you're 60, but inside, you're a newborn. And like First Peter says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And, you know, just because you've been saved for a long time doesn't mean that you have developed and matured automatically. You don't mature just by reason of time. There's a lot of people that were saved 20 years ago, and they're still spiritual infants. They're still spiritual babies. You have to be fed, and I don't mean politics. (laughs) I mean the Word. And I don't mean just men's ideas and opinions. You have to be fed the word. I'll never forget when I first began to get fed spiritually. I grew up in church, but I was never fed substantially all my growing up. And I'm not pointing any fingers or calling any names. The people, they were doing the best they knew, but they were just telling things that they had heard other people say. And tradition and men's ideas. That won't feed your spirit. You can't grow on that. What will cause you to grow? Word. The Word. Amen. The Bible. Amen. And the Bible preached and rightly divided in words of faith. First Timothy talks about being nourished up in the words of faith. Now that doesn't mean that every message has to be on the subject of faith, but every message should be from and of and in faith. Amen. 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 And you can tell when something is the Word, it'll build you up. If you just leave a service and every time you just, you feel weaker than when you came in, you feel beat up, something's not right. You're supposed to be built up, not beat up, encouraged, not discouraged. And that's what the real word will do for you. And I remember in uh, my late teens, I got, I began to get a hold of some things that fed my spirit, some tapes. I didn't know anybody listened to tapes. That was a completely foreign thing. When somebody suggested me listening to a set of tapes, I thought, why? <laughs> Listen to preaching on a tape? I was, why would you do that? Any of you remember the first time? Maybe you heard about it. But, oh, man, I had my little tape players about that big, you know, little bitty cheap thing. And uh, I began to hear a tape and got through listening to it. Didn't half understand what the man said. But I knew it did something for me on the inside. I didn't know what was going on, but I thought, man, I want some more. And what was happening, I was beginning to be fed substantially for really the first time in my life. And looking back now, that was the beginning of us having enough faith to hear from God and begin to obey him. For his plan for our life. You know that's one of the reasons why many, many people never even find out the plan of God for their life. Much less have enough faith to step out and do it. Their spirits are just so weak and emaciated. Never been fed. Never developed. Oh thank God. For the words of faith. Amen. Amen. The word of God. The real word. That feeds your spirit. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. Have you found your chapters? Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 9. In Romans 8, the scripture says, Romans 8, verse 5, Romans 8, 5, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh. Everybody say that out loud. I'm not in the flesh. I know you're in the body, but that doesn't mean you're living, controlled by the flesh. But in the Spirit. I'm living in the Spirit. If so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body's dead because of sin. How many understand your body didn't get born again? Your body hasn't been recreated. Your body still has death working in it. That's why you got some new gray hairs and some new wrinkles. (laughs) Hmm? That's right. The body is dead. He says, now that doesn't just mean that it's quit breathing. All of our bodies are in a sense dead as far as spiritual life is concerned. But the spirit, go on reading, what does it say? The spirit is life. Or as one translation says, is alive because of righteousness. See, there's a lot of people on the planet, their spirits are dead. That doesn't mean their spirit is non-existent. They are a spirit. But their spirit is dead. They don't have the life of God in their spirit. They hadn't been made a new creation in Christ. You and I, though, our body is dead because of sin and death is working in it. We don't like to think about it. But like the scripture said in 2 Corinthians, the outward man is perishing. You know, everything on this planet is every flower you see, every tree you see, every animal you see, everything is going to age and decay and die. That was That's not God's perfect will. That's because of sin. Because sin got in and messed it all up. Oh, but your spirit, he said, though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man, the real you, the you that's looking at me right now through those two windows we call eyes, that man is renewed day by day. You're not aging inside. Did you get that? You're not aging. You're not growing old or weak inside. In fact, you should be growing stronger inside amen as you age physically as your body grows older your spirit can just get stronger and stronger and stronger Hallelujah amen. and then one day and it won't be very long the glory of God's going to touch this body amen. whether we're still alive and remaining or whether the body's been in the grave for a long time the glory of God is going to raise it up it's going to be quickened and made like to Jesus glorious body. Amen. And then this body will be alive with the very life of God. And we'll have a body like Jesus has right now. Scripture said it's going to be a body like unto his glorious body. Well, he travels from heaven to earth and back again. He can go through walls and he can still eat. Somebody should have said hallelujah. (laughs) Don't you remember after he was raised from the dead, he ate and drank. He said, touch me, feel me. He said, uh, because they thought they're seeing a spirit. He said, no, feel me. A spirit don't have flesh and bone like I have. And he said, you got anything to eat around here? (laughs) Do you remember that? Ate some fish and and bread and drank some things. Yeah. We're going to have a body exactly like his. Glory Glory to God. Aren't you glad you're saved? Now, we've been talking about the the principle uh, of being spiritual rather than being carnal. Does it cost to be carnal and to live carnally? To be carnally minded, this scripture said, is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So according to just this verse right here, being carnal or being spiritual is the difference between life and death. It costs you to be carnal. It pays rich benefits to be a spiritual person. Being spiritual means that you are spiritually controlled. Being fleshly means you are flesh ruled. Flesh controlled. We've been talking for the last two uh, sessions about the desires of the flesh. We talked about. Sexual desires. We went into a lot of detail about that. We've talked about some other things. The first thing he said that shows carnality in uh, 1 Corinthians 3 was strife and envy, fussing and fighting. Well, that's not controlling your words. That's not controlling your emotions. Have I heard people say, well, you know, now I'm just real. If I don't like you, I'm not going to act like I do. And if i got something to say to you, I'm just going to say it. And if you can just do what you want to with it. I'm just real. Yeah, real carnal. <laughs> the spiritual man or woman is in control of their temper. Controls. Now, it doesn't mean you never get mad. Now, some people leave the impression if you become real spiritual, you just never have anything but lovely feelings. Oh yeah, that you get sanctified and you get to the place where you just are above it all, and ain't, no matter what anybody says or does to you, you just look at them and think it's wonderful. <laughs> Glory to God! I just full of love, and people say, "Yeah, I'm that way." Well, I'd almost like to do a test with you. <laughs> we could set you up front here and just give you a good backhand smack and go, "How do you feel?" I used to be a fighter in uh, full contact sports. And I tell you, have you ever been hit real hard in the face? Oh, man, you'll have some feelings. <laughs> I was an instructor, and a guy came from another town one time, and he was wanting me to teach him some things about fighting. And so, okay, you know, we put on the pads and stuff, and, and uh, this is full contact karate. And um, he acted like he didn't know what he's doing. I mean, he had had his guard down and messed around. And and I'm saying, no, you know, put your guard up. And and I wouldn't hit him. I just, I'd pull everything an inch from contact. And, you know, finally I said, come in, go ahead and get in on me a little bit. And I dropped my guard and showing him how to do things. And all at once, (laughs) he began to act like what he was. He was actually an instructor from another city. And he nailed me in the face. And I mean, I had an experience. I mean, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I couldn't see my eyes. what you know, it was so hard. I I was disoriented and I couldn't see and I felt something in my mouth and I spit that shavings off my teeth. And I mean, he rung my bell. Well, I was saved at that time, but I had some feelings. Oh, boy, I had some feelings, and I had mostly just one thought. <laughs> the, uh, the ref that was in the ring, he came, and and uh, I said, I need just a minute. He said, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> and I, and I, I went over there, and I said, okay, I'll be fine in just a minute. He said, no, you're done. I said, no, no, I'll be fine in just a minute. He said, no, you don't need to keep fighting. I said, yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep fighting. Give me just a minute to get my composure. He said, no, you'll hurt him. I said, well. (laughs) And he saw a look in my eyes that he didn't like, and I probably would have nailed him pretty good. And he wouldn't let the fight continue. He stopped it, which is probably a good thing for all of us. But I had some feelings. I had some real strong feelings like, well, let's just let you feel what it's like. And I don't care how much of the scripture you can quote. I don't care how much you pray. If somebody backstabs you, they do things to hurt you, they steal from you, you're going to have some feelings. doesn't mean that you're not spiritual because you have some feelings. But the spiritual man or woman will do what? They'll control them. They will not yield to the... They might feel like really hurting somebody... But, you know, instead of slapping them and giving them a piece of your mind, you'll go pray for them, even though you don't want to. Do something nice for them, even though you don't want to. That's being spiritual. Are you with me? A spiritual man or woman is not going to get to the place where you have no feelings, ill feelings, if somebody hurts you. But a spiritual man or woman will not yield to them. They'll control them. So, envying and strife and those things, we talked about that. We talked about controlling the body where your sexual desires are concerned. I want to go on talking about the body some more tonight. Go to 1 Corinthians 9 if you're holding your place there. And I just had it on my heart waiting on the Lord about this. That there are people that they're seeing some of this. Of course, these tapes go all over the place too that are thinking, okay, I see it, but what do I do? It seems like I'm just helpless. It just seems like I'm so weak. I just keep giving in to the flesh. What can I do? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. What can you do to get yourself built up? Amen? So you don't just give in to your temper. You don't just say everything that crosses your mind and then regret it later and go, why did I do that? Why did I spout off like that? Why did I pop off like that? Why didn't I control myself? So 1 Corinthians 9, I should have told you to hold your place in Romans, but you can find it again. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or some translations bring out disqualified or rejected. Do you know if you don't control your body, it can disqualify you from things? Has anybody uh, disqualified theirself from having a good family by not controlling their body? Have people ever disqualified themselves? Just right here, right now. Could I disqualify myself from being the pastor of this church? Huh? By letting my body go? Sure you could. It's foolish. But people do it all the time. Happens all the time. And we're not here to judge or throw rocks at anybody. Let's talk about us. How can we control our bodies? Amen. So we don't wind up. Disqualified, rejected from some of the things that we should have been able to enjoy. Go back to Romans. I told you I should have had you hold it. But Romans, the passage that leads up to what we read in Romans 8, let's start reading in Romans 7. Romans 7 and verse 14. The Spirit, through Paul, expresses the quandary that man finds himself in. The difficulty, the pull between the flesh and the spirit. Romans 7.14, he says, you know, we know that the law is spiritual. And all the word is spiritual. But I'm carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Can you relate at all? Huh? You ever did anything that you didn't want to do? Ever failed to do something that you wanted to do? Verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it's good. Now then it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now when we talk about I, you'll find Just that scripture we just read, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Did you remember how that's worded? I keep under my body. He doesn't call his body I. Did you hear that? You're not just flesh. And you're not just mind. You are a spirit. Created in the image of God the Father who is a spirit. You are a spirit being. You have a mind, you live in a body, you have a body, and you, the man on the inside, is to control the body. I control my body. I'm not just a body, I have a body. I'm a spirit. If you lost your body right now, you'd still be you. You wouldn't cease to exist. If your body died right this moment, you'd just slip out of it. And there it would lay, like a hand coming out of a glove. People say, will we recognize one another in heaven? Well, if you recognize each other down here, you will. We're not going to turn into an angel. That'd be a demotion. Bible says we will judge angels. We're the sons of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You'll be, your body will be glorified, but you, you won't cease to be. You won't lose. your. You'll still have your mind. You'll still be you. Paul used this terminology. He talked about a man being caught up to the third heaven. You remember that? And many scholars think he's talking about himself and it does look that way. And he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He didn't know whether his experience, whether he was in his body or out of his body. You remember the rich man and Lazarus? How that uh, they recognized each other. And their bodies are in the cemetery. Remember that? And they remembered things that happened in this life. He son, remember. He used that very word. Remember. They remembered their family. Sure. Why? Because you're you. You're still you. After the body dies. But in this life... We, the man on the inside, is supposed to control the man on the outside, the physical man. Keep reading. Verse 17, then it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. It's not the recreated man on the inside that's wanting to do wrong. It's the flesh that's not being controlled. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. See, he qualifies, he specifies, in my flesh. Dwells no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. See, so that's exactly what Jesus warned his disciples and he told them. He said, remember in the garden, he said, watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. Did they have to get scared and run away? Did they have, to, did Peter have to deny him? No, he did not. You hear some foolish people talking about, well, you know, Judas didn't have a choice. He had to betray the master. Then he shouldn't have been judged. Did you hear me? Certainly he had a choice. Certainly he had a choice. He said. To will is present with me. But how to perform it. That which is good. I find not. Jesus told him. The spirit is. Willing. Mark says ready. But the flesh is what? Where does the weakness come in? Why people yield to the wrong. It's through the weakness of the flesh. Spirit's willing. The flesh is weak. Uh, The definition for the word that's willing there. Spirit's willing flesh is weak. Means predisposed. In other words your spirit. Is born of God. And your spirit is inclined. And predisposed to do the right thing. But that flesh. Everybody say that flesh. What do we do with it? What do we do with the flesh? What'd Paul say I do? I keep under, I keep my body under control, we might say. I bring it into subjection. If you look up these phrases, they're strong. One uh, paraphrase says, I beat it black and blue. Well, I wouldn't, you're not supposed to hurt yourself per se, but you get the the force of the words is that you get your flesh and you get a strong grip on it and you make it do what it's supposed to do. You don't let it get out of control. You do understand, I can't trust my flesh. You can't trust your flesh any further than we can throw it. Control it. I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. He said, skip on down to verse 22. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. When you hear what's right, and you hear what's good, and you hear what's holy, and what's pure, and what's righteous, your spirit on the inside goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to live. That's how I want to be. But then you get out from under the anointing and out from under the church service. Huh? Huh? Go home, wake up groggy the next morning and stump your toe and your flesh is very much there. Huh? And it'll pull you the other way. So that so many wind up not doing what in their heart they intended to do. And they wind up doing what in their heart they intended and even said they wasn't going to do. Verse 22, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Do you know who? I thank God. <laughs> in other words, I've been delivered. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God. But with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who do what? Who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. Have we that are born again. Do we have the power that the sinner does not have? To say no to sin. Can we control our flesh? Don't ever believe anything else. So many times I've had people sit across the desk from me and cry and say, well, Brother Keith, I try not to do it, but I can't help it. That's a lie. Are you born again? Are you a child of God? You have the spirit of God in you. Then you can resist sin. Did you hear me? Do not believe that lie. There's no such thing. As a temptation that is more than you can deal with. Hmm? Some of you don't know if you agree with that or not. Go to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. I said there is no such thing as a temptation coming to a Christian that is overwhelming to them. It was just more, Brother Keith, it was just more than I, you know. uh, I've had guys tell me, well, Brother Keith, she was just too beautiful. She was a, no man could have resisted her. She was just too beautiful. I'm a man, what can I say? No, you're just saying I'm weak. Did you hear me? See, this has been so perverted and twisted. You know, there are a lot of people that believe that something's wrong with you. You're not really a man if you didn't give in. Something's wrong with you. No, it just means you're weak. If you give in to peer pressure, if you give in to temptation, you've just been weak. Anybody can yield. Anybody can give in. It takes no special talent for that. It takes strength. Like the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 4.4, 4, to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. Amen. Sure, to, you might be pulled, you might be tempted, but no matter what, you have the grace and the ability to control yourself, because you're a Christian. Amen. Read the scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 10, 13, 1 Corinthians. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not suffer you. That means allow. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. What does that mean? If you encounter it, you can overcome it. If it was too big for you to overcome, the Lord would not allow it. How many believe the Bible? So this stuff about people couldn't help it? is a lie. I've had guys look at me. They beat their wife up. Said, I couldn't help it, Brother Key. I, I just got so mad and I didn't know what I'm doing. I couldn't help it. Then it was just bigger than you. It just, you, we we have a whole world full of people that it's mama's fault. It's my daddy's fault. It's society's fault. It's you know, I inherited my temper from my grandpa and it was the prescription drugs I was taking and I didn't get enough sleep and I've had too much pressure on the job and everything except my responsibility. Right. Amen. And I found these same guys that can't keep from beating up their wife. You can take them and, and put them with a 300-pound linebacker and no matter how mad they get, some way or another they control their self from slapping him around. Hmm? Yes. But they can't control Theirself with their 125 pound wife uh-huh. No people do What they can get away with right. hmm? And it's just a lie That they could not help it That they could not keep From having the affair They could not keep From stealing the money They could not help but lie It's a lie All of it is a lie If you couldn't help it You shouldn't even have to repent because it's not your fault but you do have to repent because you could have done different you could have resisted you know how we know you know who's the example you know who is the standard jesus, jesus. he was tempted in all points just like us yet he never gave in ever i'm going to say yeah but this jesus brother Keith. he didn't do it as god he did it as a man just like you or i'd have to do it So there's nobody could ever stand up and say, we couldn't do it. God, the father just points to Jesus. If he did it, you can do it. Why? Because he emptied himself of his abilities as God and lived and operated like other men. Philippians says, became like other men and never gave in. He's my hero. Is it your hero? Never gave in. Never had a temper fit. Never felt sorry for himself all day and lost his faith. Never. Not even one time. Now do you understand he didn't do that with any unfair advantages over you. He did that living in a body just like you. Dealing with all this stuff just like you. Walking by faith just like you and I. He proved it can be done. Glory to God. And what you and I, no matter how many mistakes we've made, we need to tell ourselves, I can do it. I don't have to give in. Amen. I don't have to yield to sin. I don't have to lose my temper. I don't have to spout off and lose my control of my words. I don't have to lie. I can live in victory. I can control myself. I can be a spiritual man. Not a carnal, flesh-ruled, emotion-ruled man or woman. Go with me to the book of Acts, please. I want to give you, begin at least tonight, giving you seven things that I have found from the word to be the most, some of the most important things I'm aware of, seven spiritual principles that you must observe, that you must do to overcome being fleshly. Seven things you must do to control your flesh. Seven spiritual principles. The first one is to put the word of God first. To make the word the final authority in your life. And commit to be a doer of it. Nothing else will give you the foundation to stand on. The moment you disagree with the word, you're on shifting sand. The moment though you know it, you decide not to do it, you're on sand. And when the winds come and the rains come, you'll fall. If the word says this, what you've been doing is wrong, then you have a decision. Do I agree with the word or do I go on in my way? If the word says this is carnal, like the first thing we read, envying, strife, fussing and fighting and arguing with people. I don't care how many scriptures you know. I don't care how much you pray. If you're all the time embroiled in arguments and strife, you are carnal. First Corinthians 3 says so. So we have to submit to the word. If we say, well, I've been fussing and fighting with everybody. What's the truth? I'm carnal. I've been carnal. Admit it. Admit, you know, if you've been having an affair, admit it. It's sin. It's wrong. Yeah, but we love each other. and No, it's sin. If you've been lying, you've been taking something, well, I'm going to pay it back. It's stealing. Agree with the word. Submit yourself to the word. Agree with it. Now, number two and three that go with number one. And I'm going to go back and forth on this. Number two and three are honesty and humility. Everybody say those two out loud. Honesty and humility. Just like we read, you find the same thing talked about in Galatians where he says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that you cannot do the things that you would. Like Romans talked about, so many Christians just keep giving in to the flesh. Now we're not calling names, we're not pointing any fingers. Every one of us has done this in some shape, form, or fashion. Have you ever done something that you didn't intend to do? And it's over and you're thinking, pfft. I wasn't going to do that. And something that you thought in your heart. I'm going to do this. And the time passes. And you just didn't do it. No. Why didn't you do it? Letting the flesh rule you. Letting the flesh govern you. Instead of being spiritual. Why do people keep giving in? That's what we're talking about tonight. How to overcome that. Somebody that's a young person. That just keeps getting involved with other people sexually. And then they feel so bad. But then they go do it again. Somebody tells a lie. They feel so bad but then they go do it again. Why? Pressure's on. They feel embarrassed. And they're afraid. They tell the truth. Somebody won't like them. And so they just tell a lie. And then go home and feel so bad. Condemnation is chewing them up and destroying their faith. Why'd you give in? Why'd you do it? We've all been there. It amounts to spiritual weakness why one keeps giving into the flesh. Overeating. We're at the right time of the season to talk about that. And you know, I mean we laugh about it, but it can be a serious thing. You know there are people who'll go gorge out on a big Thanksgiving or Christmas meal and a few hours later feel suicidal? There are people that's that serious with them. Well, you ought to be able to enjoy a good meal. But at the same time, if you said, I'm not going to do this, you should have the strength to not do it. Why would you keep giving in? There are people who've got their finances in such a mess. Go shopping and just spend, spend, spend. And you know, all the time, no, they don't have the money. No, they shouldn't be doing it. And just spend, 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 spend. They've strained their marriage, ruined their credit, and then go out and do it again. you know of anybody that's done this kind of thing? And do it again. And do it again. And feel so terrible. And then come back and lie about it to try to hide it. And I'm not talking about somebody not saved. I'm talking about people saved. They are saved. They've been born again. They know God. Even people that have been used of God. People that know some word. Why do they keep giving in? Number one, what do you got to do? The word has to be the final authority in your life. We talked about all kind of issues previously. We talked about adultery. We talked about fornication. We talked about homosexuality we talked about lesbianism we've talked about all these things and people they think well uh, you know these things are not just what do you believe or what do you believe it doesn't make any difference what you believe or what I believe what does the Bible say what does the you know sometimes people want to get argumented. well I got a right to my beliefs no you do not if you're a Christian you have made by your confession of faith in Christ that he's your Lord you've made a commitment to follow his word you do not have a right to believe anything you want to believe. That's right. Amen. And friend, train yourself, school yourself, discipline and train yourself so that in every situation, every time an issue comes up, every time a question comes up, you ask this question, what does the word say? Amen. What, somebody want to talk to you about a subject? That be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Well, what does the word say? What does the Bible say? And don't get embroiled in all this, he said, they said, the church said, the denomination said, this book said. Don't get into any of that. Bring people right back to this. What did the Bible say? You ought to be asking yourself that question all through the day, every day. Every time you're talking with somebody, what does the Bible say? What does the Word say? Try that phrase out loud. Everybody say it out loud. What does the Word say? What does the word say? Somebody want to talk to you about healing? What do you say? What does the word say? You may I want to talk to you about end time prophecy thing? What, what does the word say? What about prosperity? What about all that prosperity stuff? Do well, you think about somebody having something expensive or driving a Mercedes. What's the question? What's the may remember what you think you think. What does the Bible say? What does the word say? Take it right back to this. I learned this lesson the hard way. First one of the very first times i ever spoke i was still a teenager in my late teens and i had just got a hold of some tapes like i told you about earlier about being redeemed from the curse of the law i thought i had never heard something so wonderful in all my life and i got brother hagen's book redeemed from was it sickness poverty and death and I was so thrilled. And just about a week after that, the church, the, the little church I was going to, the pastor asked me if I wanted to share on Wednesday night. I thought, glory to God. I mean, <laughs> God's given me this wonderful truth and then gave me an opportunity to share it with everybody. Everybody's going to be so excited. <laughs> and this was not a, a tongue-talking, prosperity-believing church. and Good people, though. And I love them; they love me. To this day, we've had some great meetings in that church since that time. But this first time, I stood up and I said, "Y'all turn to Galatians three thirteen. Let's turn Deuteronomy twenty eight. <laughs> and then I I read about how we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, and went over to Deuteronomy twenty eight about how sickness and disease, poverty. All part of the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from it. Don't ever have to be broke again. Don't ever have to be sick again. And I've gone about six minutes until the pastor got up and stopped me. He said, "No, wait a minute, Keith. Are you saying we don't have to be sick?" I said, "Yeah." I'm thinking, "Ain't it great?" <laughs> Glory to God! Aren't you excited? I could tell he wasn't and he proceeded to tell how that sometimes it's God's will for people to be sick and then how sometimes he gives people terminal diseases to teach them things and how that God had taken different ones of his loved ones and then a deacon got up and testified about how God had made some of his people sick and how he had been sick And, and another person got up and I'm done, I'm through. That was it. Well, later that night, I'm back at our little 1969 Marriott mobile home (laughs) with the genuine artificial leather vinyl, (laughs) black sofas and red genuine artificial crushed velvet curtain stuff (laughs) and shag carpet. (laughs) <laughs> Phyllis says I picked it out, and I did. <laughs> it was all it was all I could buy at the time. It was pretty sad, but but yeah, it was a place to start. And and I remember laying down on the bed and starting, you know, trying to go to sleep. My mind's going 100 miles an hour, and I'm thinking, Lord, that didn't go real good. <laughs> Did I do something wrong? You know, maybe I did. And just like that, the part of that conversation went over in my mind. The Lord brought it to my remembrance real quick that the pastor looked at me and he, well, this, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. The Lord said, well, one, these people needed about a half a teaspoon of faith and healing. And you tried to give them a dump truck load. All they were ready for was about a half teaspoon. <laughs> and, of course, I'm just, you know, brand new, just ignorant. And uh, he said also, he brought that conversation, how that the pastor got up and he looked at me. Good man. Don't misunderstand me. Good man. I love him. He loves me to this day. And uh, he said, uh, Keith, are you saying that we don't have to be sick anymore? And, and I said, yeah. And the Lord said, Wrong. I said, you're redeemed from the curse. He said, you stood up and took responsibility for my word. And he didn't mind arguing with you at all. And the issue wasn't between you and him. It was between him and my word. Do you understand that? Are you with me? You understand why I'm saying anything that comes up, what should you say and think? And any matter what you believe, what they believe that really doesn't matter unless it's based on the word you got nothing to stand on I don't know what the people I've had tell me well now brother Keith I just believe and go off on this tangent of goofy stuff for the next hour and then get through and try to look wise and that's what I believe (laughs) well (laughs) you want to say well you're weird but (laughs) Because not a scripture, nothing to stand on and get defensive. Well, I got a right to believe that. No, you don't. No, you don't. I don't have a right to my beliefs. You don't have a right to your, but we have said we've submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. He's our Lord. Then we believe what he said. Amen. Amen. We believe the word. Everybody say it out loud again. What does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word say? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Discipline yourself. All, every time you're talking to somebody. Any kind of issue. Well, Brother Keith, what about this? What about Islam? What about terrorism? Well, Brother Keith, what do you think about this? What about that? What's the question? Don't get off into all this wrangling and messing around. What does the Word say? And if you don't know, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> Start reading your chapters with us. So you can find out, amen. <laughs> uh, turn with me to John 8. I can see I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this up tonight, but that's okay. The Lord knew that. John 8. Are you going there? I'm going to uh, to refer to a couple of things with your with our body because the principle's the same. We've already talked about controlling your mouth, controlling your temper, controlling your mind, controlling your feelings, controlling your sexual desires. One desire that's so in our face every day that illustrates all of this is just the desire to eat. Isn't it? And it's one reason why fasting has spiritual benefits. Because when you fast, you override your natural desires. Of your flesh. And a whole lot of people. They want to say. Well you know. Yeah you know. I smoke. But I can quit anytime I want to. Yeah you know. I chew. I dip. But I can quit anytime I want to. Uh, I drink 40 cokes a day. But I can quit anytime I want to. You know. Yeah I drink a case of beer a day. But I can quit. Anytime. I want to. Well prove it. <laughs> Just demonstrate it for a week show us you have control and you know the next thing you'll hear excuses well well you know if i wanted to now your body's controlling you it's running you and you don't find out how strong it is until you put it aside and you override it and you say, I'm not doing that for the rest of the month. Be very careful about saying you're not going to ever going to do something again all your life. Now, you know, if it's shooting heroin or something, well, yeah, (laughs) you need, you know what I'm saying? But you know, be careful about saying I am never going to have a, cup of coffee long as I live well watch out you don't want to be a liar right I'm never gonna you know eat sugar again or I like a good piece of pie once in a while what is the question here though are you in control right if you are spiritual your body is not ruling you it's not running you and listen if you don't keep your body under it'll keep you under if you don't control it, it'll run you. I know people bless their hearts, good people, thoroughly saved. but man, they have to eat certain thing, certain time. They have to go to bed at a certain time, have to get up at a certain time. certain time, certain time, the body is telling them what to do. Their habit. I grew up a night person. My dad worked night shifts. He used to come wake me up when I'm two at two in the morning and me and him sit up and eat popsicles when I'm four and three and we had a lot of fun too. And I was always a night person. And you know, I said that part of my life, well, you know, I don't like getting up too early, you know, I'm a night person. And the Lord said to me one day, he said, what if I want you early in the morning? He said, you need to be an anytime person, anytime I want you, anytime I got something for you. And when we control our flesh, we are, we need to be flexible. The Lord may want to wake you up at three and have you pray a while. You may need to skip a meal or two or three. And if you hadn't done it in 10 years, well, you just hadn't been controlling your flesh to the degree that you can and should, and it helps you. Something's been bugging you. Put that flesh under. You know, when it comes to uh, our bodies, so many times people settle for things that's less than what they want and just live with things. Decade after decade when they don't have to. Hold your place in John and go to uh, Mark, the ninth chapter, and I'm commencing to get ready to start to close. Mark nine twenty three. Are you there? Mark nine twenty three. What does it say? Jesus said, If you can believe, what? All things are possible to him that believes. I want you to say that last phrase with me out loud. All things are possible to him that believes. Is it possible for you to control your spending, pay off all your debts, get in better shape than you've ever been? Huh? Is it possible for you to control your mind, not think on things you shouldn't be thinking on? Is it possible for you to control your mouth and not say things that you have to repent over all the time? Is it? Is it possible for you to control your temper, to be mad and people not even know it? Huh? Could you control yourself that well? It's possible. Is it possible to have the kind of body you want to have? Is it? Let's say you want to be 20 pounds lighter, 50 pounds lighter, 100 pounds lighter. Let's say you want to shape up. Can you be happy with yourself physically? (laughs) Boy, I lost some folk on that one, did you? (laughs) Thank you for those three yeses. What do we ask ourselves? What do we ask ourselves? What does the word say? say? All things are possible to him that believes. Can you be happy with yourself physically? If there's some weight you want to get off, can you get it off? Can you? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now, I got some I've already started to take off. And it's not for me to tell you what's the right size for you to be. And it's not for you to tell me. I'm not going to tell you what's fat for you and what's lean for you. or You know, people have different tastes. People have, you know, different things they like and they're comfortable with. But what I am saying is if you're not happy with yourself, there's no reason for you to live your life that way. If it's your body, you should be able to control it. And there's some things that you can't, you're not going to change. I mean, you know, the color of your eyes and size of your ears. And You know, I guess they could do that with some surgeries. But And if you want to, that's fine by me. I, great. But, you know, your stature, how tall or how short you are. But any frame and any height... Any, you know, body type can be very attractive and be very enjoyable to you if you maximize it. Amen. Amen. The bottom line is you should be happy with yourself. You should be satisfied with you. Can you be? Why couldn't you be, you see? I can control myself in these other areas. I should be able to control myself in this area. What do we say is our first three things that we've already given you? Number one, what does the word say? Ask that about everything. You know, people say, well, you know, I just I inherited this creepy, crawly, slow metabolism from my Aunt Minnie. And nothing I did to make any difference. What I do, is that what the word says? No. Hmm? no. The truth will make you free. What is the truth? This is my body. James one says I can control my whole body with my mouth. That's what the word says. All things are possible to him or her that believes. If you get to talking about well, yeah, but you know, I boy, I can just look at that and gain five pounds. My metabolism is so slow, and I, metabolism is directly related to your activity. <laughs> Seems like people forget that somewhere or another. Uh, Directly connected. Do you understand? Your body and my body is a reflection of our lifestyle. But we're having fun now, aren't we? Oh, praise God. Our body reflects how we live, what we do. A runner will have a runner's body. A weightlifter will have a weightlifter's body. A swimmer will have a swimmer's body. Couch potato will have a couch potatoes <laughs> by right your body adapts to what you do. If you spend most of your time sitting on your ear, your body's amazing. It says, Hey, they spend most of their time on that part of their body, let's send some extra cushion down there. And <laughs> <laughs> Your body is a reflection of the way you live. Now that's the, that's, number one is what? Put the word first place, words final, number two and three, honesty and humility. Now I've got, you know, some extra that I'm taking off. And I've had some of this for 10 years, but I'm not confused as to why it's there. Huh <laughs> I don't have a thirty two inch waist tonight, and i'm but I'm not confused as to why I don't. I know exactly why I don't all these late night dinners, me traveling all over the country and world and all these special made cakes, and just spending all this time. You know, studying at the desk and not working out and traveling. and, But if I make that an excuse, I'll just stay where I am. And people do, don't they? Well, you know, I'm a mother. I've got three kids. And, you know, you just can't help it. You just wait till you have three kids and see if you can. Hey, I know of mothers who have five kids and look like a million bucks. So you know it can be done. People are doing it. I know of preachers who travel and have for years, not many of them, but a few, <laughs> that are in good shape. It can be done. But you've got to be honest with yourself, right? And you've got to be humble and admit what the truth is. I've had people go out with me on a Saturday. I'm thinking a few years ago, a friend of mine, he and I went out, and we went to a car show, and we eat corn dogs, and we ate what's that stuff they? Nah, it's the funnel cake. Oh yeah, ate a funnel cake. Then we stopped by later on in the day doing something, got a Wendy's triple, and I forget what all, and we finally got in home. And this guy, you know, Phyllis had cooked something up good to eat. And this guy, friend of mine, he said, oh, man, I'm starved. was pretty heavy, too. He said, I'm starved. We hadn't had a thing all day. (laughs) I'm looking at him like, yeah, right. And he said it seriously. He did. He just, you know, it's like none of that counted. A good doctor friend of mine, he and I were talking about some cases and And this lady, bless her heart, she'd put on a whole bunch of weight and it was affecting her health. And every time she'd come in, she'd she'd cry and she said, I just, I don't know, you know I mean? I don't eat anything and I gained 20 more pounds this week. And he said, that defies the laws of physics. Your flesh does not just produce pounds and pounds of fat out of thin air. But people are being dishonest with their self and if all you do is just sit around it doesn't take many calories to run you and so you're taking in all this excess and your body turns it into fat and here we are <laughs> now don't don't get upset alright I did not tell you you were overweight did I? I'm not telling anybody that they're overweight. I mean, if you're happy with you, listen to this, and your spouse is happy with you. What's that got to do with it? What's our question we ask? What does the Word say? Does the Word say anything about this? The Word says in 1 Corinthians 7 that you're not the only one who has rights concerning your body. Your spouse has rights and say so over your body. Part of the marital obligations are to keep your body in a condition that pleases your spouse. Boy, got quiet. (laughs) Somebody said, you want a smaller crowd next week, brother? Well... If you don't know this about me, I will go spit in the devil's eye. Do you understand me? If I think I'm supposed to do something, I will do it if it costs me everything. Live that way all my life, and God's been good to me. Amen. All I said is, if you're not happy with you, if you're not satisfied, you and I should be able to get it where we're satisfied. Why can't we control our flesh? Do you understand? Your body, your flesh is like Play-Doh. It really is. It can be molded. It can be shaped. It can be. You can lose weight. You can add weight. You can tone. You can shape. You can have a body that pleases you. What does the Bible say? What does the scripture say? All things are possible to him that believes. Can you? When I was a teenager... I was very unhappy with my upper body. I was. My arms were really, really thin. And my shoulders were narrow and thin. I was really unhappy with it. And I believed that I could work out and develop. And I applied myself for the next five years. And, you know, went from a 13-inch arm to an 18-inch arm. From, what, 37-inch chest to a 44-inch chest? Now, if you don't keep doing it, you you know, you get smaller. People say, yeah, boy, if you ever start working out, you get that muscle, you know, you have to keep it up, or it just all turns to fat. That's physiologically impossible. Muscle does not turn to fat. No. Uh, there are no disadvantages at all. To develop in any part of your body. It's amazing how muscle memory is there. There's been times past in my life that I, I went a long time. Got busy in the ministry and just didn't take care of myself. And then started working out again. It's amazing how quick it comes back once you've ever had it. Your arms and everything. Your mind has memory. It's, the body is an amazing thing. You can have something that pleases you. God did not short you. Did you hear me? Never say, I don't like my body. Never. You can be pleased. You can have something that satisfies you and that you're happy with. Everybody say, honesty. honesty. Do, if you have any extra weight, why is it there? Do you know? Yeah. Did somebody force feed you? No. Huh? Why is it there? Too much intake? Not enough activity. Taking in more than you're burning. So it gets stored. Can that be changed? Yep. Somebody says yes, but I have a sickness. I have a weakness. Can God heal you? Yes. Can he? Yes. Can he restore an organ or a gland? Yes. Can he? Can, he t- can a, a slow metabolism become a normal metabolism? Yep. And even a fast metabolism? Yep. Can it? Yes. yes, it can. Admit why things are the way they are. Be honest about it. Don't blame anybody. Don't make any excuses. Hmm. Yeah. And then believe God, take the steps. You ready to go? (laughs) We've gone long enough tonight. Everybody stand up if you would. How many of us understand everything doesn't have to happen overnight, doesn't have to happen in a week. But you, if you put your faith on it and keep believing, stay with it. And, you know, not everybody wants the same thing. But you if there's something you haven't had that you want, you should be able to have it. All things are possible to him that believes. And our body is the most valuable and precious physical possession we will ever have. Far greater and more valuable than a car or clothes or a house. I mean, there's a lot of people, they wouldn't dare let their house get messy. But they just let their body go for 20 years. Well, if you lose this body, you won't need a house. I mean, they wouldn't dare let their car get dirty, but just let their body go. Just let it go. Just let it go. Well, if you lose this body, you won't need a car. They'll give you a ride in that black one. (laughs) One way. (laughs) One reason I say this, you understand there are people who are miserable in these areas. People that this, you know, not being able to control themselves has just ruined different areas of their life. There are people I've talked to and ministered to that are suicidal. I'd try to talk them out of killing herself Because they said, you know, I've tried everything. I've done everything. No, you have not. No, you have. I've done everything I know to do. There's a lot you don't know. You can overcome any obstacle in faith. Can you? What does the word say? What does the word say? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith you can start believing a thing in your heart and saying it with your mouth you start talking to that metabolism say metabolism you listen to me stoke up speed up burn that fat I'm skipping this meal and your stomach says I'm hungry well burn some of that off that leg right there Now you need to eat. Don't misunderstand me. You don't just need to go. Sometimes people actually need to eat more. They need to eat smaller meals more often. And there's a lot of things, understanding we can have that will help us. But the main thing is, who's in control? Is my body running me or am I running it? Can I eat what I want? Not eat what I want? Exercise when I want? Do what I know that I want to do in my heart? Can I have what I want to have in these areas? Yes, you can. All things are possible to him or her that believes sit out loud I can have what I want. I can control myself. I can control my body I can control my appetite. I can control don't just say I can say I control my appetite. I control my, I control my sleep habits. I control what I watch, what I listen to. I control my desires. I control my feelings. I control my whole body in Jesus' name. I control my spending. I control my temper. I control my words, all my feelings. In Jesus' name, I walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Lift up your hands and let's thank Him. Lord, thank you. Your word gives us strength. Your spirit is in us. Thank you. We are your people. We are not helpless, hapless victims. We're not under the power of sin anymore. We're not under the power of guilt and condemnation. We're not under the power of the whims and desires of the flesh. For you have made us free in Christ Jesus. And we are and shall live free. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Glory to God.